As we celebrate the 100th anniversary of the discovery of insulin, it may seem that type 2 diabetes treatment has come a long way. However, therapeutics and treatment have evolved very little since 1921. Our next guest is a scientist turned entrepreneur who is determined to create innovative breakthroughs that address the root cause of type 2 diabetes. By leveraging his groundbreaking insights of the intestine's role in metabolic disease, his company is developing entirely new treatment approaches to type 2 diabetes and other metabolic diseases. Dr. Harith Rajagopalan, CEO of Fractal Health, joins us to discuss his vision of a healthier society free from the burdens of metabolic diseases and how you can get involved. Join us as Dr. Rajagopalan shares his journey towards changing the trajectory of metabolic disease risk that will move the health of our communities forward. Let's go. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dr. Rajagopalan, from one Stanford Cardinal to another, welcome to our podcast. I'm so honored to have you on today. Thanks, Mike. Super excited to be here. Well, given your passion and groundbreaking insights about the role of the intestine in metabolic disease and what you and your team have created to help combat it, I'm looking forward to this conversation today. But before we discuss your amazing and inspiring journey, a bit of housekeeping, while listening to any of our episodes, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast. You will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And lastly, please visit the bottom of the episode notes to connect with me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Clubhouse in order to further the conversations occurring on this podcast. All right, Harith, it's almost time for our community to learn how Fractal Health has become a leader in creating innovative treatments to address the root cause of type 2 diabetes. But first, what's that one piece of advice that you would give to others who are passionate about reimagining the health of our world? As a guy who's been working on trying to understand the role of the gut in causing metabolic disease, my one piece of advice is you got to have intestinal fortitude if you're going to be successful as an entrepreneur. Come on, man. I see what you did there. I see what you did. That was brilliant. I'm glad you kept me on my toes to our community listening in. Harith, he didn't share with me going into it what his piece of advice is. I'm glad you kept it to yourself. That was awesome. Thanks so much. <laughs> Intestinal fortitude. You know, Hippocrates 2000 years ago said that all disease begins in the gut. And it's amazing how true we're now finding that to be. Yeah. And of course, more broadly, you have to have fortitude. You have to have perseverance. You have to be dug in. If you want to reimagine the health of our world, it takes a lot. You got to keep getting up. You know, those people, I believe that I've seen time and time again, the ones that are successful, yes, they do have failures along the way, but they keep getting back up over and over and over again. So I'm right there with you. But of course, we're going to talk about intestinal fortitude after we get back from thanking our community champion sponsor. Located in Denver, Colorado's nationally ranked River North District, Catalyst is a healthcare innovation campus that brings together stakeholders from across the industry to accelerate innovation and drive real, lasting change our nation desperately needs. From established organizations to startups, from accelerators to advocacy organizations, and from medical schools to global companies, 
everyone at Catalyst works side by side to create, develop, refine, and bring to market cutting edge innovations that will fundamentally transform healthcare as we know it. With industry leaders like Medical Group Management Association, Olive, Medical Solutions, UC Health, Cirrus MD, and many others calling Catalyst home, along with innovative pioneers visiting from across the nation, Catalyst continually fosters their foundational belief that collaboration and partnerships will move the healthcare industry forward. To virtually tour Catalyst and claim your space on campus or host an upcoming event, visit CatalystHealthTech.com or visit the top of the episode notes and click on their link. All right, we are back with Dr. Harith Rajagopalan, CEO of Fractal Health. Harith, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm looking forward to hearing more about all the wonderful work happening at Fractal Health. A lot to unpack here today. And of course, we're going to talk a little bit of how you became the CEO in the first place. You came from the academic side of the industry. You then were an EIR at Entrepreneur in Residence for our community at General Catalyst. So I want to learn a little bit more about that, current state of where the company is. And then of course, where do you see things heading not only for Fractal Health, but for the industry at large? What do we need to be mindful of? And then of course, how we can help you out. But first, take us back a bit. How does one go from academia into being an entrepreneur in residence at a world-class place like General Catalyst into now leading Fractal Health? Take us on that journey a bit. Well, Mike, before we started, you and I were talking about how there are some special people that you meet in your lives who really can change the trajectory of where you're going. And for me, I've been lucky to have a couple of them. In my academic training during my MD, PhD, and then during my clinical training, I had the really good fortune of meeting physicians and scientists who thought hard not only about important scientific questions, but about how to turn scientific insights into new clinical reality, how to translate observations that we're making in the hospital or on the bench into newer and better therapies for patients. And on the other side of the street from academic hospitals and all of that intellect are really smart and really thoughtful and creative people in venture capital who are thinking hard about how to develop, build businesses that can take those scientific insights and turn them into enduring companies and enduring products that can help as many people as possible. So there was a partner at General Catalyst whom I got to know named John Simon during my cardiology fellowship who took a bet on me and some observations that we were making in type 2 diabetes that lent themselves to a totally different way of understanding why people develop type 2 diabetes and what we might do to treat that disease. And the way that we moved forward was by my becoming an entrepreneur in residence, working closely with him and the other folks at General Catalyst, and incubating our thinking on how to take this scientific insight that I had had and turn it into a company that could be a very compelling way to provide a vehicle to develop products and solutions that can hopefully turn type 2 diabetes around. And so being an entrepreneur in residence was essentially a title that gave me this really rare thing in modern industry, which is dedicated time and intellectual freedom to think about how to turn a scientific insight into a really compelling business. That's what I was able to do as an EIR. 
You know, a lot of entrepreneurs, they'll say, Harith, they'll say, oh, I've known since I was a little kid that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I, was, I had the lemonade stand. I was selling the newspapers. Did you always have an inkling that you wanted to be an entrepreneur or was it just a natural evolution in your pursuit to drive better health in our industry and our communities? What was the trigger there? I always thought I was going to be a physician scientist. And my motivation, if anything, was to have an impact on human health, but not necessarily to be an entrepreneur. Candidly, I thought I was going to do that as an academic professor with a laboratory and work that hopefully would have spawned great ideas that other people would have gone on to develop into companies. But I thought of myself being the one to run the company as an entrepreneur to actually make it happen. But sometime about 10 years ago, when I started to think about what we might be able to do for type 2 diabetes and the opportunity that that represented, I just couldn't shake the idea that I needed to spend all of my time on it, despite my better rational thinking. Like I had spent all of these years training to be a physician. I worked really hard to be a scientist. And here I was with this idea. I couldn't stop thinking about how we might turn this idea into both a product and a business. And the idea and vision for where we wanted to take this company pulled me out of academics and into entrepreneurship. I was not somebody who wanted that from the beginning, but I'm really lucky that I answered that call. Do you love it? I love it. Isn't it amazing? I, it. I mean, so many people, you know, they, they aspire to be an entrepreneur and it, sometimes they doubt themselves. I don't know if I can do it myself. I started before I was ready, right? I just jumped in. I said, let's go. I'm going to try this. And I came to the reality that, you know what, there has to be failures along the way. And then I started having that reaffirmed from some of my mentors and advisors that actually the, the pursuit of entrepreneurialism, the, the journey thereof, it does have failures and they were messy in the middle, if you will. And that's okay. And I found myself become a better business person, actually, and even in my own personal life through this journey of entrepreneurialism. I'm so glad to hear that you loved it. And I'm sure that there was, you know, there's a roller coaster, there's a lot of ups and downs through it. But man, isn't it a fulfilling, fulfilling opportunity? Creating something new, something that doesn't exist is just an incredible privilege. It's an amazing opportunity. And I find that one of the things that I've really enjoyed most about it is actually learning how to go from being an academic who's focusing on taking care of patients and doing my own thing to thinking now about how to build teams of people who are better than me at individual aspects of what needs to be done and motivating and aligning those teams towards accomplishing something that's greater than any one of us could do on our own. I think that we think about the entrepreneur as a solo exercise. But for me, it's all about teamwork and it's all about building great teams and working collaboratively. And that's at least half of the fun of it is the people that you get to work with on that journey. Well, we're going to talk about that team in just a moment and what you guys are up to at Fractal Health, but I want to set the stage. So you mentioned you were uh, approached about becoming an entrepreneur in residence at General Catalyst. You did that. It was about a two and a half year journey and thinking through, you know, what is that, that you really want to sink your hands into and really dedicate yourself to? And then, as you mentioned, about 10 years ago, just over 10 years ago, what is now Fractal Health was born. So take us a little bit on that. And then, of course, as an entrepreneur, we got to have our elevator pitch down. Give us what is Fractal Health. Fractal Health is a company whose purpose is to defend humanity from the metabolic diseases of modernity. We live in a society that is full of access to a ton of food, very high calorie content, super ultra processed and digestible, available at an arm's length at virtually any moment of the day. We live lives where you and I sit here on this podcast talking to one another and are allowed to call that work. 
And you take those two things together, the different food that we eat in modern society and the different work and lives that we live in modern society. And then you hold that up against what kind of food did our ancestors eat? What kind of work did our ancestors do? And you realize that our modern lives have set us up for this risk of metabolic disease because food has become weaponized in order to be so appealing to us that we have a hard time resisting it. Remember when we were kids, Frito-Lays, bet you can't eat just one, right? That concept of food becoming unavoidably tantalizing and our work being very sedentary has put us in a position where we are at risk for a totally different set of diseases than our ancestors. That's why we need some form of a defense from the metabolic diseases that we are inevitably at risk for because of our modern lives. We're not going to go back to being cavemen and cavewomen with subsistence existences and a lot of daily manual labor. We're going to be, hopefully, becoming even more intelligent, even more productive, but that also means more sedentary lifestyles than what our ancestors had. We discovered that there's a portion of the intestine that is altered by this modern diet. And in the context of sedentary lifestyles, this portion of the intestine sends a signal to our body that puts us at risk for metabolic disease. And we kind of discovered this through a back through a reverse way. We saw things in people that we then had an aha moment about. But once we discovered that there's a portion of the gut that's causing metabolic disease, we asked, can we develop therapies that are targeting the gut? that can reverse metabolic disease. And that's what Fractal is trying to do. We're developing scalable therapies that are attempting to reverse the underlying disease processes in the gut that are causing us to develop type 2 diabetes and related metabolic diseases. Put it a little bit in a layman's terms as well for the layman out there in regards to the end user. Yeah, you mentioned type 2 diabetes and those types of patients. So are you working hand in hand with the clinicians? Are you working with the patients? Is it both? Like, what does that look like on the other side in a layperson's view? Yeah, so we're working hand in hand with clinicians to develop a device that allows us to treat a portion of the intestine in an outpatient hospital setting through an endoscope, which is a camera that's inserted through the mouth and into the stomach to try to reverse some of the changes that are occurring in the gut that are causing us to develop metabolic disease. The device that we've developed is called the Ruvita system. And we've just begun a pivotal trial in the United States with after close collaboration with the FDA to try to see if we can improve glucose control while reducing or eliminating the need for insulin for patients with type 2 diabetes who are currently treated with insulin. And that's sort of the first step in what we hope to have be a long journey towards working on how we might reduce the burden of type diabetes in society by addressing its its root cause rather than by managing the blood sugar symptoms, which is the current paradigm of care. So let's take a couple steps back, though, just to make some bridges here for our audience tuning in. So we mentioned earlier that uh, you guys have been at it for now over 10 years, but then you just said we are now getting into clinical trials. Can you bridge that again for that layperson? What was Harith and the team doing for 10 years? Like what was going on during that time to get to the point to have this clinical trial out there in the marketplace? When we started, the role of the gut in causing type 2 diabetes was really unclear. So we started by doing a lot of science to really try to figure out what portion of the gut is being altered by modern diets and how is it causing us to develop 
the risk for type 2 diabetes. So we did a lot of scientific work early on. And then we started to figure out how are we going to develop a product that we can put in the hands of doctors that's going to allow them to treat this portion of the gut that we've discovered through our science to be altered in a manner that can hopefully safely and effectively reverse some of these changes that we were seeing to try to treat the disease. We then put it into early clinical trials. And in those early clinical trials, we worked out whether the procedure is feasible. We worked out that it's safe in its early implementation. We worked out how to tweak the device. And over the course of the last 10 years, we've had this iterative process of refining the product, refining the understanding of its clinical impact on people. We've now treated over about 300 patients in a number of different clinical trials across the spectrum of type 2 diabetes. And we follow these patients for one and two and even more years in order to see the safety and the effectiveness of our treatment on type 2 diabetes. So let's just take a step and pause and sort of just think about this right now. We diagnose people with type 2 diabetes because they've got high blood sugar. There are 30 million people in the United States who have high blood sugar. And the way that we try to treat this disease is by asking people to diet and exercise and watch what they eat, watch what they do, and then to take medicines to try to mop up the extra blood sugar in our body. What we don't do is actually provide any treatment that's reversing or correcting the changes that have occurred in the body that is causing the blood sugar to be elevated. So our focus is on treating the blood sugar symptom rather than correcting the changes in the body that are causing the blood sugar to go up. And that's what we're attempting to do with the Revita system is to provide a tool to physicians to treat the intestine and for the first time, try to impact that root cause hormonal abnormality that's causing blood sugars to go up in people. And the trials that we've done have given us enough experience now to feel like we have a good understanding of how it works and in whom it works. And so we're in a what we call a phase three trial, which is the last phase of clinical evidence generation prior to an evaluation by the FDA for approval to judge the safety and the effectiveness of this therapy in insulin-treated people with type 2 diabetes. And I know you're still in that phase and I get it, but during and through it, you can obviously receive feedback from the end user because and then let's go back to talking about being an entrepreneur. I'm fortunate to be able to advise and work alongside a lot of brilliant minds and entrepreneurs that are pushing the healthcare industry forward. And one thing that I love to talk about with these entrepreneurs is just don't go build a product and then try to find a home for it. Solve a problem in the marketplace, deliver what those people need, whoever those people might be, right? And so from that, Harith, what type of feedback are you receiving from those end users? And again, I know caveat, you know, asterisk, you're still in the process of FDA approval, but what are the early indications been like from the marketplace? Well, let's just say, well, let's just talk about why would patients be interested in going through an outpatient procedure that takes about 45 minutes to try to treat their diabetes? Imagine if you were diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, the average patient in the United States was diagnosed is in their 40s. And then over the course of several years, you try taking one medicine and then a couple different medicines. And eventually you find that you're on insulin and you're taking this insulin injection in order to try to lower your blood sugar. Over half of the people who take insulin are still not getting good control of their blood sugar, despite injecting themselves with insulin every day. Because the problem that we often have in type 2 diabetes is that our bodies have become resistant 
to the effects of insulin. The reason our blood sugar is high is because of this resistance more often than because we don't have enough insulin. So you keep injecting yourself with insulin, the body gets more and more resistant to it. You need to keep taking more insulin. And so you're at higher and higher risk of blood sugar dropping too low, which is a serious condition called hypoglycemia and weight gain from insulin because insulin is a growth hormone. It makes you hungry, makes you want to eat, sort of makes it harder for you to lose the weight that you're supposed to lose. So for a patient who's on insulin and who's still not getting good blood sugar control, there's really a sense that they're running out of options. And something that could have the opportunity to reverse the underlying insulin resistance so that their insulin can work better, so that their pancreas could potentially work better, is a really attractive idea relative to continuing to take more and more medicines. So we ran a study with some scientific collaborators in Amsterdam where we took patients who were on insulin. And what the investigators did was stop insulin on the day of the procedure. And then after our procedure, judge whether they need to go back onto insulin or not. And then they followed these patients for about 18 months. And about two thirds of the patients were able to completely stop insulin and then stay off of insulin for that duration of follow-up. Based on the reports from those from the patients in those trials, that was a transformative impact on their lives because these are individuals who are losing hope of their ability to control their disease, who are taking more and more insulin. And now we're put, it felt like they were being put on a totally different trajectory where there was some hope that they could live a healthy and productive life, not having to be on insulin anymore. And it's funny because this year is a hundredth anniversary of insulin and its discovery and its use in patients. And in type one diabetes, which is where it was originally developed, people desperately need insulin in order to survive. But in type two diabetes, which is where most of insulin is used in society, the main problem that people have is insulin resistance. And if we can give them an opportunity to treat the insulin resistance to reduce their need to progress to insulin therapy, that would be a huge win for patients and for society. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's powerful. So Harith, let's game it out a bit, right? Let's take it out a couple of years. And also you mentioned other metabolic disease. So maybe you can talk about what other means, but play this out. Give it another two to three, three to five years. What does it look like for fractal health? What does it look like for patients around the country, around the globe? You know, play that out a bit. Give us a little bit of what you're seeing in your crystal ball. Sure. So let's just take one more step back though and talk about how in the 21st century, what are the diseases that are going to define our health and well-being as an American or a global society over the next 100 years? The diseases that we're going to be facing, barring today's COVID sort of pandemic, are fundamentally non-communicable diseases of heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and liver disease from metabolic dysfunction. All of these are inherently diseases of modernity, diseases of our modern lifestyles, and diseases that tie to this hormonal abnormality that I've been calling insulin resistance. So said another way, a majority of the morbidity and mortality that we will face as a society in the 21st century ultimately can be ascribed to insulin resistance and its knock-on effects on all of the different organs in the body. 
So if we can get a handle on insulin resistance, if we can control the duodenum, which is a critical control organ driving insulin resistance, then we have an opportunity to potentially change the trajectory of the disease risk for a majority of the number of diseases that are going to be affected in the coming hundred years. So within that context, what Fractal is attempting to do is to really establish the clinical evidence to support the use of Revita in all of these different conditions, starting with type 2 diabetes, trying to establish its safety, establish its effectiveness, establish which are the right patients in whom we should be treating, how best to treat them in order to ensure the best long-term outcomes, and then to do that across a range of different diseases. With this first phase three study that we're running in insulin-treated patients, our aim would then be, if successful, to file with the FDA and gain approval, and then to be able to deliver this therapy to hospitals across the United States and around the world in order to provide a new class of therapeutic offering for type 2 diabetes. So patients would hopefully then be able to go to their primary care physician who's helping them manage their diabetes, and then to the gastroenterologist who would be doing this procedure, and then have a treatment that could have the potential to totally change how their diabetes progresses within their body, and then could work really well with the other medicines that they're taking in order to try to control their disease. So my crystal ball says that we've learned in the past 10 to 15 years, partially through our efforts and partially through the efforts of great scientists all around the world, that the gut is a key driver of metabolic disease, and we can leverage treating the gut to turn these diseases around. And where, how far can we take that as a society? How far can we go to reverse metabolic disease? If we're able to reverse metabolic disease by intervening on the gut, what can we do for the population health not just in type 2 diabetes, but for all of these diseases that we're at risk for and that ultimately are going to constrain human longevity in the 21st century. What kind of health might we be able to reprovide back to society by targeting the gut in order to try to address the root cause of metabolic disease as opposed to managing its symptoms as the diseases continue to progress. And that's what my crystal ball says if we look out over the course of the next 10, 20, 30 years is that we're going to have more and more therapies that are going to be focused on trying to fix what's wrong with us so that we can be leading healthier and more productive lives. And that's what I'm really excited about. Very cool. Well, thank you for sharing what's on the horizon for you and, of course, the industry writ large. So thanks again for that, Harith. And, of course, always love to get our community involved. We have some of the most passionate and brilliant minds working in the industry rallied around this podcast. What's one problem, need, or question that you and your team have that we can be helping you with? Well, one question that we struggle with is in medicine, for very good reasons, there's often a view that you want to take a very stepwise and incremental approach to how you think about treating diseases. And what that does is it allows us to continue to make progress without putting people at harm, right? Step-by-step -step improvement. How do we think about providing a therapy that affects over 10% of the U.S. population, right, to a disease that affects over 10% of the U.S. population that is going to have some time for its development and its proof, but which offers a potentially fully different paradigm in how to think about treating chronic disease? And how do we get patients and the population to weigh in earlier 
on their point of view on what they want for their own health. Because right now, it's a lot of it is put in the hands of the physicians who are the gatekeepers and the stakeholders of the disease states. And it's the FDA who evaluate the safety and the effectiveness. But ultimately, this is really about improving the lives of people, people who are living with disease. So the question that I have is, how do we get the voice of patients earlier into the development journey so that all of the people who are important for judging these technologies as they come forward can hear directly from patients what they're hoping for in terms of their health and how they manage their disease. Because I think what we will find in general is that we take too incremental approach in how we think about managing disease for patients. Because my suspicion is that what patients really want is they want to live healthier and more productive lives and take less medicines because they're healthier. And that's something that I'm sort of eager to hear what your audience has to say. Like, what do people want from type 2 diabetes treatment? And how do we get that voice heard earlier by the key stakeholders in the decision-making process? Oh, I love it. We definitely have some patient advocates and, you know, the advocate for that patient voice is kind of just outlined. Definitely tune in. So stay tuned. They may be knocking on your virtual door, if you will, Harry. So thank you for sharing that because I couldn't agree more at the end of the day. That's who we should be focused on. This is why we do what we do for that patient is incredibly important to keep that in mind. So thank you for sharing that. I really do appreciate it. And then, of course, how do we find you online so we can give you some of that feedback, some contact points, social media handles or otherwise? Where do we find you? Yeah, I would love that. So my social media handle is at H Rajagopalan. I can spell that out. It's H-R-A-J-A-G-O-P-A-L-A-N, but you'll find it on the podcast notes. So you can look there. At Fractal Health is our company's Twitter handle. And you can find me personally at my email address, Harith, H-A-R-I-T-H at Fractal.com. And Fractal is spelled F-R-A-C-T-Y-L. Easy enough. And as Harish said, this will, all those contact points will be in the episode notes. So simply scroll down in your favorite podcast player, click on through and head over to our free global online community as well at passionatepioneers.com. There will be a post for Haritha's episode where you can connect with all of those contact points as well as leave any comments, feedback, questions, or otherwise for him and the team again over at passionatepioneers.com. Well, Harith, we have one more section. We'll get you out of here so you can keep on moving with your team over there. I have a fill in the blank. I'm a passionate pioneer because because I care about improving patients' lives. I love it. I love it. And you do it with intestinal fortitude day in and day out, my friend. Day in and day out, my friend. Absolutely. Again, a pleasure to spend time with one Stanford Cardinal to another. Thank you for being with us, joining up on the podcast. Complete honor. I love learning from leaders like you who are really pushing not only technology, but the thinking, the mindset of where we need to be heading to create a better health environment for our nation and beyond. So thank you for everything you do, Hari. Thank you for being on the podcast today. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode. 